What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Brooklyn Boxing Podcast. I have a very special guest today, Barstool Large, aka Mike McCarthy. Maybe I got that backwards. Could be either way. I think most people call you Large or Mike. But uh, thanks for joining the show. And um, you know, for people that don't know, you know, you've been doing some great things in the boxing world. Some some awesome interviews. I've been checking out with Canelo. He even gave you a little shout out after his last fight. Gave you a point in the crowd. But you're definitely getting pretty tied into the fight world. It must be cool to start building relationships with these guys. Yeah, uh, Barstool um, is like it has a lot of like bullshit ties to boxing with the rough and rowdy tournament that we run uh dave and dan were uh the president and big cat were uh they had their own desk set up outside of, i think the last logan paul fight on behalf of the barstool sports book for betting and stuff but the real boxing um i have uh and um barstool's popularity over the past couple of years has given me access like you know i i can't believe so so everyone calls me large Nobody, I mean, my wife calls me Mike, but otherwise, uh, just about everyone calls me large. So, uh, if you're comfortable with it, go please. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's something we're trying to build, we're trying to build a little bit of a brand without really going too overboard. Most of Barstool's, um, boxing fans are truly casual, like very, very casual. So getting deep into the weeds or, you know, um, doing a lot of no-name stuff probably wouldn't do me much good and i have the luxury of being able to be somewhat choosy so it's been a good it's been a good thing i've only been there just over three years uh barstool so uh and there was nothing there as far as real boxing was concerned before i got there and now you know i get in and out of bed with the zone i have some relationships over in top rank so it's 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 been um it's been good it's been a good ride and as a boxing fan i'm having the time of my life i mean this is i'm, I'm turning 50 uh, at the end of this year, uh, my birthday's on Christmas. So I'm 50 years old on Christmas day. And, uh, this is by far, uh, the best job that I've ever had in my life. So it's, uh, it's, it's good all the way around. Yeah. It seems like you're having a blast. Happy early birthday, but we got to talk yes. about this past weekend. Um, <clears throat> you know, you, t you were messaging back and forth. Me you said you're ringside and, and that was for Lopez, correct? Lopez yeah. Thrombosis. So, I mean, we got to yeah. talk about that fight. That's one of the maybe fight of the year um combosis plus 600 underdog i mean no one really saw that coming i definitely thought tiafimo was going to get it done but a lot of times when guys fight in their their home their backyard they don't always deliver and and that's kind of what happened um yeah i i had i had tiafimo after the nakatani fight where he went the distance, still won by unanimous decision. I had him on my radio show. That was the first time I met him. So it was 2019, I believe. And everyone had said how unimpressive he looked in that fight. They were expecting more from him. And um, this was the week before he was going into fight Comey in Madison Square Garden. And Teo had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder about everyone saying, even though he won, he didn't look that good. And People are talking about sometimes when he gets into his own head, how that might have happened in Akatani. I, I don't know too much about that, but I did go to the Comey fight because of Teo, and I mean, knocked him out in two. So then you fast forward, I'm at his next fight for Lomachenko. Top ranked guys had me out in Vegas for it, and I'm sitting there watching him dismantle a generational fighter and Vasily Lomachenko, one of my favorite fighters ever. Like, I love Loma. And um, Loma didn't throw any punches for the first six rounds. You can't win a fight like that. So I thought that the 
decision was 100% right. And then he becomes unified and he says undisputed, uh, you know, lightweight champion. And then you fast forward and there was all that bullshit with Triller and with COVID and with injuries and this and that. So the Cambosos fight, neither of those men were in a ring for about 13 months. We're, we're all just waiting. Like we got to see that Loma kind of had an off night because he went back to the drawing board and he started to pick up fights again. But we didn't get to see whether or not Teofimo was really that good. You know what I mean? And then I kind of put all my eggs in one basket that he was. I actually lost a lot of money on that fight. Um, but I had him in the office and really great guy. I mean, I hope people don't judge him too much by the com- by the comments he made after the fight, saying mm-hmm. that he thought he won 10 rounds to two. But he was a really good guy. He probably spent two hours in the Barstool HQ just doing all this stuff, hitting the light puncher. And he was just very, very common. And his father, too. And his father's an X factor. I think his father could be a real abrasive douchebag at times, you know, to some people. But he ingratiated himself, you know, with me and my, my you know, my producer and my social guy. And um, so I went into this fight thinking Teo's back. Teo looks good. And I just didn't. I discounted Cambosos. I didn't know enough about him. I'd seen him in a couple of split decisions. I think he was on a Crawford undercard at some point. I just didn't give him much. I thought the fight was set up for Teo to win. And Cambosos did the exact opposite. He went in there with a better game plan, fought his game plan, stuck to it, probably stepped out of his comfort zone in the 10th round, and you could tell. And and now now his carry-on bag is is a lot heavier filled with all of Teo's belts. I interviewed Cambosis about an hour and a half ago and what a gem of a guy. Like I said, by the way, I lost money on you. I, I, I disregard. I didn't know. I'm sorry. He's like, listen, no problem. I went in there and it was a New York crowd. But when I won, everyone was cheering for me. I was like, I'll go one further. When Teo disrespected you at the end, people were booing him. Like they knew that that was kind of, and I know people get emotional. I'm not putting too much of this on Teo. I still love the guy, but um, but he's good. I don't know what he's going to do as a champion. I begged him to not wait another 13 months before we get to see him again, and we won't because the lightweight division right now is the sexiest division in boxing. It is, yeah. The, the division's on fire. However, I do kind of uh, – I'm curious if Teofimo is going to stay at lightweight. I know there's been talks. Even his dad recently said that it was a mistake that he kept him at you know, lightweight for so long and they, they got to move up. That's interesting what he'll do there, but you're so right about Kambosis as well. Cause I've seen some of his comments and praising uh, Tiafimo. And, you know, I think those end of fight comments, um, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. He just got into a war, you know, he's getting, they're, they're going, it's like a bloodbath in there and, and the reporter sticking the microphone in his face. And like, you know, these guys are the ultimate competitors. So obviously he's going to try to, at least convince himself at that time that he must've got some of those rounds, you know, he doesn't want to hand his belts away and it was still a split decision. So it wasn't like, yeah. uh, you know, Pat, I gotta be honest with you. We're going to do this uh, podcast and hopefully we become best friends. But if we did this podcast after I got cut off on the fucking garden state parkway, I would seem like a totally different guy. I can't imagine what the adrenaline is, you know, going through it. Like you're saying a battle. And where all you see is your blood all over your body and stuff like that. And you have your, your corner. Your corner didn't do a very good job. Tails corner didn't do a very good job at all. Um, you know, chirping in your ear, maybe that you're winning or, or whatever. And um, so, yeah, so I'm going to give him a pass on that. Not that it matters to him. Um, and, and I look forward, like you said, 135 was tough for him. He looked, yeah. 
he looked pretty dry at the, at the, at the way. I, mean, I was, I was lucky to be at the way until he looked pretty dry and Cambosos was much more comfortable at 135. So perhaps 140 is the answer, but you know, that huge fight with, you know, Josh Taylor, that's, that's pushed off now a little bit, unfortunately, you know, if everything went, you know, Teo beats Cambosos, Haney beats Jojo, Haney fights Teo. It's his last fight at 135. The then undisputed goes up and fights another undisputed. I mean, that's that's fairy tale. You know what I mean? And 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 it got dashed because of that that Greek Aussie bastard George Gambosos. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> so did. He, he ruined it. But you know, it's at the end of the day, it's a good thing. Like I think, um, you know, I, I have a lot of conversations with guests about like the landscape of boxing compared to the UFC, and like obviously the UFC has one champion per division, pretty clear ranking systems. Most of their fights make sense in terms of uh, rankings. But now, like, if you look at the lightweight division, it's on fire. There's a ton of talent. Unfortunately, like Tiafimo just lost, but it really kind of opened things up again because now there's a lot of these top fighters that are calling out Cambosos. You know, they're licking their chops. They're saying, oh, I'm not so scared to run up and try to challenge myself now. And I think that's a good thing. You know, I got Devin Haney, um, <clears throat> Ryan Garcia, Gervonta Davis, you know, Lomachenko fighting in a week or so, you know, against Richard Comey. So there's a lot of guys now that are realizing it's time to take risks. And, and like, it doesn't matter so much if I lose, like I'm, I'm going to get in there and possibly be undisputed and hold all the belts. So that's a good thing. I think it's headed in the right direction, at least in the lightweight division. 100%. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know about Cambosos yet. I need to see that next fight. And if he does a shruggy, you know, def defensive one of the belts, I totally get that. But these guys are licking their chops. It was sort of like with Pacquiao at the end. Every time that I'd, I'd interview a, a boxer in the last three years, hey, who do you want to fight? Oh, I'd like to fight Pacquiao. Like they all wanted him on the, you know, he had guys like, you know, Terrence Crawford. Yeah, I'd like to fight Pacquiao. I was like, what about Spence? You know, and then you talk to Spence. He'd be like, yeah, I'd like to fight Pacquiao. Everybody wanted Pac on their resume. You know, and that, and that was different because they saw this generational eight division champ who's at the end of his career and a little bit distracted trying to be the president of a country. But this is different. Now, I think they smell a little bit of blood in the water with the uh, Camposo. So you're right. All of a sudden, you know, um, Ryan Garcia steps from behind his ring light. You know, he's doing <laughs> the fucking TikTok dances and says, yeah, I, I, I won him, you know, Haney, Diaz, all that shit. So so we'll see. It's a, it's it's a very, very intriguing division. But yeah. I mean, I, I got a call to interview I, and I'm not dropping names. I apologize. But a lot of stuff generates off my interviews. I got a call to interview Ryan Garcia the other day and they wanted me to interview him because um, he just launched a, uh, a a men's beauty line. And I said, will we be talking about boxing? Because I don't have a lot to talk about when it comes to shampoo. And the woman says, I'll be right back to you. Said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, meanwhile, you know, I, Crawford was fighting that week. Teo's fighting. And then we got the two big ones this week. Then, you know, like you said, we got Loma in the garden. I mean, fuck, my New Year's is, is uh, you know, Triple G in Japan. And then I think January 1st or 2nd, they got that all heavyweight card coming up. And yeah. that's that's taken out of the thing. Like, Better Be Ev is fighting. All the girls are fighting. Clarissa's fighting. Kitty Taylor. You know, I can't take a, a, a break and, and talk about uh, exfoliants. Yeah. <laughs> get the fuck in the ring. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I think Canelo's even getting a little frustrated, right? His recent comments, he's like, all right, you got to get back in there. I mean, mm -hmm. 
Um, but let's talk a little bit about Canelo. Obviously, this recent announcement going up to cruiserweight. Uh, Makabu, honestly, I didn't know too much about the guy, but, um, you know, he's, he is a champion. He has some legit opponents on his, uh, resume. Like he's not totally, um, you know, just a complete random guy. Like he's definitely going to be a solid, like he has power. He's clearly got some size. Like to me, this is not a layup fight for Canelo. I think a lot of people just assume that and, and people think like, oh, like Canelo could probably go to heavyweight, you know, that the, the the, the aura of Canelo right now, I think that people think he's invincible, but you know, he has lost like we not only to Floyd, but you know, people think Ares Landy Lara possibly beat him, you know, the triple G, the first fight that could have easily gone to triple G. So is he at the top of his game? Is he at the prime? Is he the face of boxing? Yes, but this guy is not invincible. So to me, it's still a big step up. I mean, do you think this is a wash for Canelo or do you think that, I mean, this is a legit, this is a legit fight, legit challenge. You know, I, I, whenever I think about Canelo, um, I always think about the guys down in middleweight who've been like waiting three years for him to come back and fight them. Like I think about guys who, you know, like Triple G and, you know, uh, uh, Boo Boo, like Boo Andre. Yeah. yeah, you get it, like Charlo, Mal Charlo down, like all these guys who thought after Canelo was going to go through the super middleweight division, they were going to come back down. I love the fact that he went back up. Not only did he go up, he went, he skipped light heavyweight <laughs> up to cruiserweight, which I got to be honest with you is probably outside of the feathers, right? The feathers and the bantams, which I just don't pay enough attention to. Cruiserweight is probably something that I just don't watch as much. Yeah. I know the top of the division. I loved it when Usyk was running through guys. And Akoli seems like he's a real deal champion. But there are so many kind of X factors that maybe this sets up like when Tank jumped those two divisions and people said, what do I think? And I said, I don't think Tank takes fights that he can't win. So, you know, Canelo may just have, that's not mean that the, the, the fix is in by any stretch of imagination, but, you know, he may know something that, that matches him up very well. I was in San Diego in his training camp and uh, Andy Ruiz was in the same training camp mm-hmm. and um, the destroyer and the destroyer was in there sparring with him. Like uh, Andy was preparing for, the Areola fight at the time. And um, and Ella was in there, like, doing stuff with Andy, and Andy was learning from And Andy is a very good, fundamental, small Mexican heavyweight. Like, his Andy's problem is that he's Mexican, right? He doesn't have that length of bone. And Canelo was in there like he was really in charge with this guy who – not too long ago, held a shitload of belts, right, from Joshua, then let himself go and lost them. So I just don't doubt Canelo until he gives me something to doubt, and I agree with you 100%. The the loss to Mayweather was the best loss that he could have had at that time, right, a guy like Mayweather. The Triple G thing was a fucking robbery. The uh, tainted sausage thing was was, um, (laughs) – It's unfortunate. I mean, before I went out and I started this love affair with Canelo, the last blog I wrote about him was, I hope Canelo Alvarez loses tonight. I'm a big Triple G guy. I love fucking Triple G. So, uh, you know, the way they kind of left him out and father time is what's going to ruin Triple G. Nobody else. So that was the last one. I pointed out to him. I was like, by the way, I kind of shit on you about a month ago. And he was kind of cool with it. I mean, that's how boxing is. Um, So, yeah, I got to get I got to get more intelligent on this cruiserweight and who he's fighting and stuff, because right now it's just been a division 
and then this bridge weight thing is be even less that I haven't paid attention to. You know, if I'm going to go heavy, I go heavy weights, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, I got to look more into this guy as well, like watch some yeah. fights because, you know, I've seen he's fought Tony Bellew. He's fought a few guys and, you know, he's not overwhelmingly bigger. Also, I, I don't know what they're going to do if it's official that they're going to do it at 190 instead of 200 because of the new Bridger weight belt. So that makes it a little bit less of a weight jump. You know, Canelo said he's probably going to be in there walking around in the 180s. So if the weight limit's 190, you know, it's not as bad. We'll see. But um, another interesting part of the matchup in general that I just think is absolutely insane to me is that Don King is like very much involved in the promotion of this fight. Bakabus is guy. He wants to have him fight the WBC silver champion in Ohio and have Canelo sit ringside. He's just trying to milk as much money out of this thing as possible. And I'm just like asking myself, how is Don King influencing Canelo's career? Like, how does he have this much power in boxing when everyone knows he's a crook? Yeah, I don't know. I, I do. I do a history podcast, Twisted History, and it's kind of was like an irreverent look at some of the stuff I did. Twisted History of Boxing. And I and I really did a deep dive into that scumbag's life. And that guy is a straight up murderer, right? I mean, he started as a loan shark. He's a straight up murderer. He's one of the dirtiest guys. And you can't find somebody to say a good word about him. When he all of a sudden popped up, you know, in this Canelo thing, I know a couple of people at Barstool who were like, I didn't even know he was still alive. I'm like, oh, yeah. no, he's still alive. He's still actively robbing from people on the daily. Um, so, yeah, this it adds to the circus atmosphere. I saw, and for all the people who are mad at Canelo for, for doing this, as opposed to either going down or sticking around the weight or doing whatever, I saw a picture of Canelo the other day. I should send it to you. And he's sitting down with a horse. The horse is sitting down. And it's one of those horses that has like that long blonde mane, like Canelo's wearing like a fisherman's sweater. Like he's just, it, it's one of the biggest, like uh, uncomfortable thirst traps I've ever fucking seen in my life. And I looked at it. I said, does this look like a guy who gives a shit what anyone thinks, you know, where he should fight or anything? Like he's just operating in a different. Yeah. You know, like his his training camp is 100 percent Spanish love songs. You walk into a gym. I mean, you you go into more gyms than than anybody. Right. And you see the music that's playing in the gym. If it's an old timer who's got it, it's old time music. Yeah. If it's a new school guy who's got it, it's fucking music that it's layup line music. Yeah. Canelo's is background music for a telenovela. It's like, you know, <laughs> cuando mi amor. It's he's just a fucking different cat. And um, so I, you know, the biggest draw in boxing, by no means the best Mexican fighter who ever lived, but I think he's the best pound for pound fighter in the world. That's not going out on a limb. Everyone seems to have it there. So I'm, I'm enjoying the ride with him. Well, that's an interesting. I was just thinking about that when you said best fighter, best Mexican fighter to ever live. I mean, he's looking to make, I think he'd be, I think no other Mexican as would have five belts and five divisions. I think that's what would happen after he gets his cruise rate belt. But mm -hmm. I've had this discussion with a few guys in the gym and, and um, yeah, I would agree. Maybe he's not there yet, but I think he's certainly on his way. I mean, there's you, you think Julio Cesar Chavez, maybe um, I'm blanking on his name. Who was the guy with the Afro, the featherweight? He died in the car crash. Uh, he's like, he, he was uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come to it, but he's a, uh, another guy who's mentioned as like, would have been one of the greatest of all time. I'll look him up here, but like who in your mind, like we're talking Mexican boxing, like who 
who is Canelo chasing right now? He's chasing all of them. Like, like the whole idea with Mexican boxers is, I mean, Chavez is a good example because he didn't lose until he fought, I think his 89th fight or something like that. So it's one of those things where you have guys that, you know, we're too young to really appreciate Ruben Oliveras with, you know, Carlos Zarate and, you know, but Juan Manuel Marquez and, you know, all these guys that, you know, live in this Mexican lore are, um, you know, I, you know, I think that question is better suited for a Mexican, like an old <laughs> school Mexican guy, because I consider that to be the, t- I wish I spoke Spanish. I consider that to be the, um, the equivalent of coming to America when they're in the barber chair and he's like, you know, I, his name his mama called him Clay. I called him Clay. Like that type of thing. I would think that Mexican barbershops must be just a wash with the idea of who Canelo is not as good as, you know, like yeah. the old school type guys. Well, there was an so old, again, the name just came to me. It's Salvador Sanchez. There's a guy okay. at the gym I was talking to, coach guy, shout out him. And he was, I was talking about Canelo and he was like, you don't know what you're talking about. Salvador Sanchez. He's the best Mexican fighter ever. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I know who that guy is, but like, I had to look him up again. And I was like, yeah, I, I remember hearing about him, like tragic car. He died when he was, I think he was 20. Let's see what it says here. 23, but he already defended okay. his belt like five times or something. He's 44 yeah. one. So he was on his way. Yeah. But, um, everyone. That's a great thing about boxing and boxing fans. I feel like everyone's got a, everyone's got a take. Oh yeah. I, I mean, it came up today. Uh, who's the best Australian boxer of all time? No, no sooner did they raise Gam- uh, Gambosos' hand than people were, you know, talking about, like, you know, who's the best Australian fighter alive? Best He's the best Danny Australian Green. fighter. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's just, it's, and and you get that all the time. So I, I think that Canelo um, is just one of those guys who makes the sport not, certainly not more approachable, but, you know, it's it's good to have a superstar. So I think having a guy like Tyson Fury, who's the other side of the spectrum as far as with the press and being one of those champions that could, you know, talk a wolf off a meat truck, it's good to have a guy who's a little bit more mysterious and unpredictable like Canelo Alvarez. Yeah, no, definitely. He's awesome for the sport. Tyson Fury, yeah. too, like interesting topic. Like I think uh, I was listening to an interview with his dad, John Fury, and, um, you know, he's out there. He's crazy, but he, he's uh, – he was saying though, like, and I think it's has some weight to it is, you know, Tyson has these three fights with Wilder, like they, maybe not the, so much the second one, but you know, they've been some pretty damaging fights, even though he's been dominant um, in, in the last two, you know, he's taken some big shots and he's got up off the deck multiple times in his career, like outside of the, the Wilder fights. And he was kind of thinking like, you know, we could reach a time where he, he gets knocked down and doesn't get up like this. How many times can he pull that cat out of the bag? And, um, you know, I think that's kind of an interesting thing to come out of John Fury's mouth and possibly a little foretelling of what could happen in the next couple of years. We always think guys are invincible until they're not. And if a, if a guy like Dillian white could catch him, even though it seems very unlikely or even Andy Ruiz, maybe in a fight or two, Joshua, you never know. But in your mind, do you think Tyson Fury is going to wash anyone he fights in the next three years? Or is there a guy out there that could challenge him or maybe beat him? Or was Wilder that guy? I don't know. Like, that's the whole thing. So Fury's what, 33? Right? He's 33 years old. And he's the type of guy that could go. 
Like we're talking about how uh, Teofimo Lopez could get into his feels. You know, Fury had gained, you know, 75 pounds and got hooked on cocaine after after a win. You know, like if this this guy, he battles a lot of internal demons. He's very, very open about his uh, problems with substances and also some of his um, uh, his, his emotional and mental problems that he has, you know, fighting depression and whatnot. He's very, very so that like a lot of that stuff can happen that could get in this guy's head that could totally fuck him up. And and it, that's that might be his chink in the armor for the time being. But I do think he does have an out. I think he's he's not going to do he's not going to be the guy that fights too long. I don't think he's over. Listen, he makes a lot of money whenever he fights, but I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to need to chase the bag much, uh, much longer from 35, let's say. So sure, he can get caught. I mean, he got caught by Wilder. I mean, you know, most devastating puncher around. And he certainly can get caught with just about anybody in the ring. I mean, the Usyk fight with him would probably be an extremely interesting matchup. You know, I did that DAZN boxing show at Aachen Barak, and they brought me over to a... um, a poster board and they said who do you want to see fight and i'd seen all the guests before that go oh i'll take terrence crawford and errol spence i'll take triple g i'll take canelo i'll take tyson fury and i'll take this so i had said i'll take canelo alvarez and i'll take alexander Usyk. that's my dream matchup and this was before canelo said that he was jumping up to do this cruiserweight thing canelo gets a win at cruiserweight uh, Usyk gets his fucking shit handed to him by Tyson Fury and heavyweight, and he decides to go back down. What a fight that would be! Usyk <laughs> versus Canelo, and they're both crazy enough to take it. So, yeah. I, you know, it's interesting, but it's boxing, right? I mean, anybody could lose to anybody else on any given night. Um, and so Tyson Fury may have more ring wear, uh, ring wear to him because he's. He's been on the receiving end of some Deontay Wilder right hands, but I don't think that he's anywhere near being out of his prime or any more, you know, um, listen, Robert Hellenius would probably give him some fits like to go in there against another six ten dude. It would, you know, would probably give him some fits and you know, that's, or maybe not right. Robert Hellenius is not a very good fighter. Not necessarily. I shouldn't shit on him. He's a fucking Viking, but it's, um, Anybody can lose to anybody at any time. So I don't consider him unbeatable, Tyson Fury, but I do think that he's he is the, the heavyweight division until somebody decides that they can beat him. That's not a hot take, obviously, but it's it's mine nonetheless. No, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Ty, even Mike Tyson said like that even Usyk would probably say, you know, Tyson Fury is the, the champ yeah. right now. Like everyone kind of knows. Um, even though he has all the belts, which is, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Um, but Tyson Fury's brother fighting Jake Paul, you know, I definitely am like a more of an old school boxing mind. I would say I hated the Jake Paul, Logan Paul entrance into boxing when it first started. I definitely am not a fan of the YouTube thing. However, I will say if Jake Paul wins this fight, even though both guys in reality are novice boxers that are able to sell. He does deserve some credit. Um, He will have to fight someone a little bit of a step up. He is fighting a guy who is a fighter. Um, So I got to give him some credit there. But do you think it's like all this is good for boxing? A lot of people try to say it brings more eyeballs, but I think, you know, are these eyeballs really staying around to watch, you know, the fights this past weekend or any, you know, I just don't know. 
I, I got a 17 year old son who watched one of Jake Paul fights. He'd ask if he could watch it like to, to pay-per-view it. He doesn't have to ask me, obviously, but he <laughs> asked a lot. And so I said, sure, I'll watch it with him. It was, it was awful. It was, yeah. It's just an awful fighter. And then, but he got to see somebody on the undercard and he's like, Oh, when he fights again, can you let me know? My son has never watched a fight with me. And since then he's like, I'd like to watch this girl, uh, Amanda Serrano fight next time. I said, well, it's probably going to be on the Jake and it is on the next Jake Paul card, but my son was starting to appreciate just how good Amanda Serrano. And I gave her, I gave him her story. So he started to get it. So I've seen, listen, what was your gateway drug? What was your gateway drug into boxing? I grew up, I'm, I, I was born in 1971. My dad's an Irish immigrant. My mom's an Irish immigrant. They didn't know anything about fucking sports. So the only thing my dad loved was boxing. I used to, I, grew, I lived in Brooklyn. We used to go to the, um, fucking name was the uh, movie theater. It was a couple blocks away from us. Across, no, no, it was right across from the Chimes restaurant. Anyway, so we used to go there for closed circuit TV. So it was the, it was the Four Kings. Like, so I'm watching Hagler and Hearns and Duran and Leonard, and that's tar heroin, man. That's <laughs> that for a gateway drug. That's tar heroin. And then for people who are a little bit younger, you know, perhaps your age, when you're a kid, like all of a sudden you see Tyson, you're like, oh my God, look at that. Son. Oh my God, he just bit somebody's ear off. Like that's tar heroin. We're starting to get tar heroin again with some of the professional fighters. So if this little, you know, you know, quick little hit off a fucking dab pen is what gets my son hooked into it. Then I think it's a good thing. He doesn't deserve any more credit. If he beats up Tommy Fury, Tommy Fury is a terrible boxer and Jake Paul has already gotten more credit than he deserves. So his credit <laughs> that he deserves is already here. He's already up here. So he's just sort of, you know, getting closer to the credit that he already has. And I got zero problems with it. I, I, I do. I, I got, I had, Amanda is making more money with Jake Paul than she's ever made in her life. And she's one of the greatest females that ever strap on a pair of gloves. So, you know, I, I, that's fine with me. And if you take it too seriously, like Terrence Crawford, the other day, it said, yeah, but what about the real fighters that aren't getting this money? That isn't, I hear you that you can't blow somebody's candle out to make yours burn brighter. He's doing something better. So yeah. become more like Jake Paul. I, 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 that's all I can say, you know, fucking, do some Nelk boy shit on, on Instagram and, and hope for the best is what I, I guess it is. So I have no problem with it, but I do know what Jake Paul is. And he is a below average amateur boxer and nothing right. more, but he's a self promoters. I haven't seen this, you know, like Conor McGregor, you know what I mean? I haven't seen a, a self promoter like Jake Paul in, in quite some time, certainly in this sport, we haven't seen it in quite some time. Yeah. I, I do like I, I don't love the Conor McGregor comparison. Honestly, I know it's mid just because yeah. like McGregor, like there was real substance to it. And Paul is just like, you know, the lowest of the low entertainment value. No, no, but I mean but, promotion. So self-promotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I got to be honest with you. Conor McGregor has a lot of substance. So when I started in um, Barstool. It was three and a half he years. He was really ago. funny, like on his come up, you know, like he was real witty. Like Jake Paul, I feel like he's just, you know, fuck you. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah. Funny. Yeah, no, and, and you're absolutely right. But Conor McGregor is still at this point, like I had said when I first started. So when I first started, it was 2018. And I, I wasn't a huge fan. I thought that he was overrated. And everyone's like, no, no. And since 2018, he is one in three with only a win over, you know, Cowboy Cerrone, who is washed. You know, Khabib yeah. owns him, and then obviously Poirier, and he's not one in three. He's one in four because you throw the fucking Mayweather thing in there too. 
So for a guy who's operating since 2018 with a record of one and four and still getting that much money and that much attention, I consider that somebody sort of like Jake Paul. I, and I know that that infuriates UFC guys. No, he was a fucking champ champ. He deserved it and all that stuff. I'm just saying from a promotional level, Conor McGregor isn't what he used to be. He's extremely beatable. He's one in four in a boxing ring or in an octagon. And he's still commanding every eyeball. He's still, people are still buying his whiskey is terrible. People are still buying his goddamn whiskey. So, you know, he's, he's special. Don't be ruining not, those future uh, ad placements there. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Proper as well. So it's, you know, that that's the only reason I make that comparison from a talent standpoint, Jake Paul can never achieve what conor mcgregor did in no. conor mcgregor's sport they're two totally different sides of the spec conor mcgregor is and from an athleticism standpoint and from a success inside of an octagon conor mcgregor jake paul couldn't hold his job yeah. i should say that yeah mcgregor uh you know that interesting thing for me like i definitely am a mcgregor fan i mean i watched him like the first time i saw him fight was when he was when he was fighting in boston against dennis siever that was a little bit on his come up. So I said, man, like, obviously I'm an Irish guy as well. And I said, this guy's amazing. I was like, he's unbelievable on the mic. And, you know, I think it's very clear for me to see that like him, McGregor pre Mayweather is a totally different guy. It's not, it's not 100%. like pre Mayweather. He was hungry. Like he was just killing guys, knocking everybody out. like cleaned out the whole featherweight division did the Diaz thing on people forget like very short notice went up 145 to 170. That's, you know, it's a lot did those. And then 55 got the belt and may since Mayweather, like not only is he not the same, but he hasn't been fighting. Like he fought Mayweather then two years out of the out of the cage fights Khabib, arguably the best ever loses. Then he's out for another year and a half, two years fought fight Cerrone. And then coronavirus happens and he's out again. So it's like, you know, an active, unactive guy. That's not good. I mean, we see Canelo. He's like the most active and that's what you want to be like. That's what I love that. I, I mean, I love the fact that people are questioning some of the people that uh, Canelo Alvarez is fighting. And I waited 13 months to watch Teofimo Lopez lose all his belts. In the meantime, I saw Canelo fight four times. I know. And, uh, you know, and, and by the way, you know, McGregor snapped his goddamn leg. Like there are certain things that kind of keep out, away. Now he's out again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, you Not know, good. I, I don't, I don't have hate. Like again, I, I, I mean, I explained it, but I think that um, just a great, great promoter, just a great, great yeah. self promoter and very, maybe not a self-promoter because he has other people certainly that can do that for him, but just extremely charismatic. I don't like Jake Paul. I don't, I'm not begging what Jake Paul is raking, but that gotcha cap bullshit and the, the pettiness. Yeah. Everybody loves that shit. Yeah. They love it. So, you know, not my cup of tea, but I can understand what he's doing. And, and I don't think it's bad for boxing and that's not an overly popular um, opinion amongst boxing heads. Yeah, no, I, I, I would like bad. honestly agree with you at this point, but it took me a little while to get there. I think I see now that it's not it's not bad. You know, these fighters that are on the same card are getting paid and more eyeballs, hopefully. But, you know, there's a lot of like freak show kind of events going on. Even this past weekend, we had like on Triller, the triad combat and they it's like a mixed rule set. It's re it's basically the bare knuckle rule set where you allow clinching and mm -hmm. punching while in the clinch, but they're wearing MMA gloves. It was actually surprisingly like the MMA fighters mostly dominated. However, a lot of the boxers were 
kind of no-name guys. But anyways, the main event, like Kubrat Pulev, I thought that was just absolutely insane that they had him in there versus Frank Mir because it was mo- it's mostly a boxing event with MMA event, MMA gloves. Pulev yeah. just fought Joshua. I mean, like, what are we doing here? Frank Mir, he's a jiu-jitsu guy. He's 40 years old. I mean. And, Kul- and Pulev washed him. I'm glad about that. So I'm glad the top of that card went to boxing. Yeah. Like, I honestly was rooting for Shannon Briggs. Like I was rooting for team Briggs. I'd seen enough. I follow Shannon on Instagram. So I had seen enough of that, you know, him and (laughs) let's go champ him and rampage going at it the whole uh, time throughout the promotion of that. It did. It had me. I felt like I had a horse in that race. I checked the box scores the next day. I didn't watch it. I didn't even know it was in a triangle until I'd seen something. Yeah. I didn't know until I had it on, I was streaming it. um, And I was like, Oh my God, that rings a freaking triangle. Then I saw Mike Perry fight. He was like a former UFC guy. And he actually like, that was actually a pretty exciting fight. He really like brought it. And, but um, I just don't like what's going on with Triller. Like it's just irresponsible. Like they did the Holyfield thing. That was a disgrace. Yikes. I've heard from multiple people that like backstage, they literally were like pleading with Vitor Belfort to uh, like Lamar. play nice basically. And then he just yeah. didn't at all. And then they canceled my interview day of. I, yeah. I had an interview. They said, listen, can you uh, submit your questions? And I did. I submitted my questions. And they were like, do you have any room on some of these? Because we don't like them. I, one of my questions is, why are you doing this? And I was like, no, I have no room. I think these are questions people want to know. Why are you doing this? Do you really need that much money? Do you think you could do you know, anything else but this? And uh, so they canceled it. And then I got to see him on like a Good Morning America-ish type interview before it. And putting that man in a ring right now is it's and Florida lets it happen. It's, it's criminal. It, yeah. And you know, tr- Triller also, it's like, you know, you go to watch the fight and all of a sudden big daddy Kane starts battle rapping against KRS one. It's just, it's fucking crazy. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's to not, think it's, that Tia Fimo is going to be fighting Cambosos on that. It, and J-Lo is going to be the surprise guest. T.O. <laughs> and J-Lo. T-Lo. Uh, J-Lo is going to come out and sing when it was originally going to be in Miami and stuff like that. I, again, if it brings people in, it's it's pretty cool, but I'll probably just show up for the main event and leave. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm a big Daddy Kane fan. I'm a stan, a simp, whatever you want to call me. But still, <laughs> I like to have a little bit of separation with it. Yeah, I like I like the HBO boxing days a little bit better than what we got going on nowadays. But some of the some of the networks are doing a good job. And, um, you know, obviously ESPN recently we had Terrence Crawford, but he's splitting ways with them. He's a free agent. Hopefully that's good news, meaning like he can make the Spence fight happen. Um, That'll probably be what PBC Fox. So. Um, but top, I, I do want to ask you a little bit about the pound for pound rankings. Also, like a lot of people have Terrence pretty firm at number one, especially after that performance, but I would still lean towards Canelo, honestly. Um, you know, who do you have at the top? I'm Canelo Crawford Usyk. I, that that's my pound for pound. And the Usyk one, I think is probably one of the least arguable. Because I, I think that guy right now, you know, obviously Canelo still has some some wood to chop this next fight to show. But I think Usyk could drop down to just about anything and fight anyone. And obviously he can come up and just about fight anyone. So he's he's very, very uh, impressive. I don't you know, the Spence fight is is, again, another pipe dream. I hope it it happens, but I don't see it happen anytime soon. But Crawford is is the real deal. T-Bud Crawford is the real deal. And then after those three, just 
you know, to toss a coin on who it was. I mean, Lomachenko used to be my number one. Lomachenko yeah. was my number one pound for pound fighter before the Teofimo fight. So things kind of change in a heartbeat. Um, so, uh, so yeah, yeah it's people, people really kind of like forgot about Lomo. It's crazy. Like even in the fight against Teofimo, like if that was a 15 rounder, like old school, I think Teofimo or uh, Lomo would have probably won. Like he was finally starting to catch some steam in those later rounds, but yeah, people just threw him away already. And it's like, wait a minute. Didn't you guys, everyone was calling him the matrix. All this guy, he's untouchable. He's the best thing ever. And now like no one cares. It's insane. And people are doing the same thing with Tiafimo a little bit. That's like the, that's the bad, bad side of boxing fans. And like, you know, they tend to throw guys away pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think it's a shame, but you know, it probably happens in UFC too. Like I, I, I told Dana that what's wrong with boxing probably makes UFC a little better. I could just see it. Just add a couple of weight classes, add a couple of belts. Don't get crazy like boxing has, because there's a lot of people, they're they're pretty saturated. They, They can't get title shots anymore. It's impossible with that small amount of belts to be had. And, and people say, well, you don't need to have big belts on the line, you know, every time for a UFC fight. And I understand that, but I think it would be kind of interesting to have, you know, undisputed champions and stuff there. Maybe they could, they could branch it out a little bit, but so like Inway and, 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 you know, Spence, and I'd still put Loma up there and, you know, I, I don't, you know, put a guy like Gambosos in there or anything like that, but, you know, we, we have some very, very good bo- boxers who are leading the way for boxing right now. So it's a good time to be involved. I just I just hope that the right fights get made, right? That's the biggest problem with boxing right now. The right fights uh, oftentimes can't get made, and that's a, that's a real fucking shame. But, we, you know, we've had a really good fall. We've had a really yep. good fall in the beginning of winter. So I'm very, very grateful for all these cards being put together. Yeah, me as well. We've had a great, we've had a great year. Tri- heavyweight trilogy that'll go down in history. Legendary stuff there. And I think uh, to close this episode, rather than giving me your fighter of the year, twenty twenty one, who would you say is going to be the twenty twenty two fighter of the year? All right. Um, I don't know. So. So I, I, we were talking about this before we got on. So I, I fought heavyweight um, in the Bengal bouts in 1991, right? Or 89, 90, 91. And then like, I see you, I was like, I'm six, five, maybe six, six. I was two eighteen when I fought there. And you knew what the, the quality of people were in, in, you know, Bengal bouts at our college, but like stepping up now and seeing those, monsters it's it's just it's a different level so all the top of the divisions that we see you know so the easy answer is like canelo or fury or something like that but there are just some kids who are problems Mm -hmm. and i think the two kids that are the biggest problem for me for the problem for their divisions and the two kids that are must see boxing right now are um, Boots Ennis and Shakur Stevenson. So I could see those two guys making that level, that jump. And Boots Ennis is already considered pretty much a, you know, an elite fighter. And Shakur, I think everyone is kind of in bed with. But I think next year is the year we see those guys make that fucking leap. 
And, and I think they're going to be a problem for divisions for years to come. So I gave you two instead of one, but Boots Ennis and Shakur, Shakur Stevenson should have a great 2022s. Yeah, Boots Ennis, I think, is like a guy. I mean, boxing fans know who he is, but he's so slept on right now, like yeah. outside of that. And he is a real threat to Crawford or Spence. Yeah, please watch that guy, right? Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where you're saying, you know, I and I love, like I said, this whole heavyweight card. I love this. What's this Gerald Anderson, the new uh, heavyweight? Anderson, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I like him, and they seem like they got a nice little bit of buzz around him. I love the fact that Muhammad Ali's grandson is fighting, you know, Nico Ali or yeah. whatever the hell it is. So there's all these different, you know, Sebastian Fundora is is a fun side. Yeah. Best nickname in boxing. Yeah. <laughs> the guy is uh, seven foot seven. He's 135 pounds. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of fun to watch that freak show but i'm talking about like when you see like like i'm jealous of you you step into gyms all the time and you see the guys who are at the next level and yeah. boxing gyms it's very, like when i came into boxing gyms after i got out of school and i went to the downtown athletic club and i was thinking about golden gloves and stuff and i walked in there i was like that's the level that i'm never going to be at <laughs> so like i think like if you walk into these boxing gyms you see the guys who are at the next level but like shakur and boots are the dudes that should be there or who are just going to take a little bit of time to get there in Shakur's uh, thing. And they're just not there yet as far as being marquee fighters. And uh, I hope 2022 um, turns that around to a degree. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Well, Notre Dame, huh? we got, we got to touch on this because this is breaking news. The last day, Brian Kelly, he's, he's left us. What I mean, gone. What are, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I was like, I think it's a pretty, they were going to build a statue of him probably outside the stadium. Now everyone hates 100%. By the way, everyone hated him a couple of years ago too. I mean, <laughs> winning his coach at Notre Dame, I've seen his, the, the, the purple bear is his uh, head being called for multiple times. I, I, I just think that it's nearly impossible to win a national championship and have kids graduate at a 95% clip. Right. It's so if he gets the opportunity after cementing himself as the winningest coach in the most storied program in college football, that's probably and the, the new recruiting class is great. I love what Tommy Reese is doing. I love the defense coordinator. All that kind of stuff is lining up. But still, when you can go and recruit people that simply sign their names with an X because they can't do much more, it makes it easier to win football games. So maybe he's like, I just want a couple of rings. And then ninety five million dollars doesn't without the perks doesn't hurt either out on walking out now even yeah. potentially the playoffs we could yeah well, yeah it, it shows you that he very very strongly believes that we would not win in a playoff <laughs> honestly and, and and there are a lot of people who don't like the timing even without the playoff thing listen i came from the business world i was on wall street for 25 years before i started with this barstool pushing smut and it's not you know when you're when you're being asked to when you're being bit away you know, from Citigroup, it's done in a very, you know, nocturnal, secretive, dirty way. So I don't, I don't, I don't blame him for that. And obviously the timing isn't perfect, but it very rarely is. So I don't think that Brian Kelly really cared what the timing was for Notre Dame. He cared more for what the timing was for, uh, for Brian Kelly and the people who know that he did the same thing for Cincinnati or probably just people who are big Notre Dame fans. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, I, you know, from the legacy standpoint, nobody's going to care. And if he goes down there and gets washed out, right, 
he'll have the biggest buyout in the in the history. He'll, you know, he'll 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 jump Charlie Weiss as the biggest buyout in college football coaching history. I think there are twelve coaches in the history of college football who, after eleven win seasons, left to go to somewhere else. Twelve in the history of college football. Five of them left to either retire or because of sanctions. <laughs> And five of them, five of them went to like the NFL, and then two of them were Brian Kelly. Is <laughs> that crazy? So I mean, this is it's what he does. Yeah. You know, he's not. Everyone else went to the NFL. They, re, you know, like they got into trouble or they retired, and then the other two are Brian Kelly. <laughs> so he's like the classic Irish exit. I mean, it's one hundred percent. I just can't bomb. believe it. I can't believe it. Like barely even talked to the, talk to the team. Apparently he just says like, all right, thanks guys. See ya down to Baton Rouge. Which by the way is not, listen, Baton Rouge is they they might hate him, right? Like they want, like they need immediacy when they paid the coach of Michigan state, $90 million. I was floored. And then he went out and I turned on the TV three days after the ink wasn't even dry and he was losing to Ohio state, like 35, nothing in the first quarter. Right. I mean, so there's, there's booster money that's now being thrown around that USC deal was, was obscene buying the guy's house above market value, giving a $6 million house here. So the money is, is monopoly money now. So um, maybe that stops because it seems like it's fucking ridiculous. Maybe Nick Saban, who's 10 years older than Brian Kelly is coming to the end. Maybe right. Yeah, I mean, Nick Saban. Yeah. What's is Nick is Nick Saban going to do this at seventy five? I mean, Biden is, but like it's. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. So perhaps um, Brian knows something that we all don't. So you know, best of luck. Thanks for the memories. Let's 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 keep it. And uh, somebody said that the Iowa State guy. Everyone else thinks it's uh, Fickle or whatever the dude from Cincinnati. But I heard the Iowa State guy is is. Um, that's the rumor for the the next the next coach. Yeah, yeah. I've seen. Uh, you know, I saw Big Cat post uh, the Urban Meyer <laughs> video, yeah. and that was hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I honestly wouldn't even mind it at this point because it just add a little pizzazz to the team. You know, get a little spark going. Um, but yeah, I don't know who they're gonna hire. I mean, I hope it's somebody with like a little buzz, though. I'd hate for them just to like promote. Or give it to Tommy Reese. Screw it, you know. Let him. I love it. Tommy. I, I think he's a great kid. I just don't know it, you know. A little he's young. So fucking young. So like, I think it's Matt Campbell, Campbell and Fickle. I think are the two top guys. So we'll see what we can do. I mean, when when Brian Kelly got there, there was a ton of questions surrounding him, right? You know, coming over. So um, so we'll see. It's, an, it's an interesting time. It's unfortunate for a lot of people. Um, I'm, I'm you know I'm not I'm no longer Captain Irish like I used to be. I mean, I used to have like blood in my stool and nobody could fucking watch it with me and all that stuff. So I've kind of mellowed out a little <laughs> as I've gotten older. Um, so this is more interesting than upsetting for me. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It was uh, something amazing to wake up to. I was not expecting that right. at this point in the year, but it is what it is. Yeah. The Irish will move on, maybe sneak into the playoffs. We'll see what happens. But um, large, thanks so much for spending some time talking a little boxing with me. Really appreciate it. I think people are going to love, uh, you know, this episode. So it'll be out very soon. Yeah, yeah. Let me know. Um, yeah, I appreciate the uh, the invite. And uh, whenever you need me back, just let me know. Awesome.